Welcome to Between the Lines. My name is Lou Palumbo. I'd prefer if you just called me Lou. I like the lack of formality. Um, a lot of controversial issues in the country. We're going to brush up against one today that's going to trouble you. It deals with sex trafficking. The scope and, and magnitude of this problem is just appalling. You'll hear from two very, very, um, I would say, invested guests. One is Frank Smith, who's the director of uh, Phantom Rescue, an organization whose design is to address the, this problem. And another gentleman, Jason Orbach, who is uh, producing a documentary regarding this topic that plagues us. Um, we're going to have them on in a moment. Uh, I do want to thank Buzzsprout and Instacart um, for supporting us. I will talk about them uh, in, de- in greater detail later in the show, but just to make you aware, they're, they're user-friendly, which is critically important for a knucklehead like myself. <laughs> and I use them both. Um, you can find us on Spotify and Apple, uh, YouTube, and um, I'm just glad you're gl- joining us today. I think you're going to find what you listen to today quite quite disturbing and and hopefully motivating. We're going to start to talk about this topic on a regular basis, this thing about sex trafficking. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. My name is Lou Palumbo. This is Between the Lines. We have a very interesting guest today on something that I refer to as a hot button for me, and it uh, it involves women and children. Gentlemen with me on the phone uh, today is Frank Smith. He's the director of um, Phantom Rescue. The name itself can probably give you some insight as to what exactly uh, this organization is about. But rather than have me tell you, I'm going to ask Frank to tell you a little bit about himself as much as he would like to tell, because there is a certain need for anonymity here. Um, Frank and I haven't spoken much. He probably would be interested to know that I've recovered a child from the Pacific Northwest that was in an environment that was kind of cult-like, like programming. I won't get into the history of it on air. I'd rather speak to Frank uh, independently. But I've dealt with this, and then I had a little bump and grind with the Scientologist in Los Angeles uh, when a client of mine decided to divorce one of its members, and I guess they didn't realize she was divorcing them as well. But without going any further, I want to ask Frank to speak to himself a little bit more and tell us a little bit about Phantom Rescue, and then we're going to have an exchange. Frank, if you would be so kind, sir. Absolutely, Lou. Thank you first for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Anytime I get an opportunity to talk about this topic, as distasteful as it is, it's important that everybody gets a good understanding of what's really going on out in the world. And I hope ultimately everybody develops the same feelings about the situation that you do, because I think it's only then that everybody will really get to the point at which we can actually do something about the problem as it exists. Um, As far as myself, primarily a practicing attorney for about 30 odd years at this point in time, originally from New York, uh, relocated to Florida about 20 years ago. Uh, Once I got down here, I started to fall into representing some military folks. Always had a passion for the military, never got to serve. So I took the opportunity to serve those that did. Um, Once that happened, I came across an individual and was introduced to somebody named Tony Sparks. Um, Tony is the single most extraordinary individual I've ever had the opportunity to cross paths with. Um, in his truest sense, we refer to him. He's like GI Joe embodied in a guy. Um, he knows the difference between right and wrong. Has always done it throughout his military career. When he retired, along with his uh, partner Rodney Mann, they were sitting staring at the TV one night, and they saw a girl who had gotten abducted uh, and was thought to be in a traffic situation. And here's two retired military folks going, what are we going to do about this scenario? 
And they decided at that moment they were going to go rescue this girl. And they did. Where was she? And if I could just interrupt you, Frank, I apologize, buddy. Where was she that uh, they had to go uh she recover. was in the continental United States. I won't give out details of any. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, Understood. They, these two individuals were actually sitting, I believe, in Tampa at the time, sitting in a, uh, a pub having a burger. Uh, they don't really drink, so they were probably having a Coke. <laughs> and uh, they were sitting around doing their thing, and uh, they actually did it. They actually stepped to the plate, did what they had to do, and they started performing rescues. And that was the birth of Phantom Rescue. I wasn't around at that time. I came along shortly thereafter. Uh, unfortunately, and we always mention this, uh, Rodney Mann passed away thereafter from a parachute training accident and everything that we do, we continue to do in his memory and his name for the service that he gave to this country and the world. Um, that's me in a nutshell. I help out where I can. We do what we can. We initially started as rescues only, and then we realized that we couldn't do enough doing the rescues. So we switched gears and we decided education and awareness was a prong that we needed to go forward on started dealing with schools, giving talks around the world and trying to just educate the world on the evils of sex trafficking. Let, let me just ask you this, Frank. Explain to the listener, and I, I just want to very quickly just uh, mention the fact that Jerry Orbach is uh, joining us and he's involved in uh, uh, producing Jason. a documentary on this subject. So, Jerry, thank you, buddy. Jason Orbach. I, I, I apologize, Jason. I'm going to learn how to read in the next life, not this one. Anyway, Jason, I apologize. It's right up on the damn screen here, so I just me not them in any case jason thank you for joining us but i want to just go right back to you frank for one moment um explain to the listener the scope of this problem domestically and internationally so, so I, I can run through the facts and figures but let's let, let me give you just some basic stuff that you need to understand we, we use certain numbers every number that i'm going to give you is what we've been able to document we know that it's much more uh than what we actually see the visibility of these things is tainted by the fact that obviously people are not coming out and saying, hey, by the way, I trafficked X number of children, X number of women in the last couple of weeks. And then there's the stigma of being embarrassed about it. People don't want to talk about it. So all these numbers have been documented. And uh, but you got to assume that there's two to three times this amount of actually what's going on. Forty six children go missing every single day in the United States. From where, Frank? From where? Give me, give me a little specific. Not to interrupt you, sir. Can, can, no, absolutely. You're, you're asking a, a locale, or you're asking type of child. Um, both. Okay. So the locales, um, as we talk about that, are largely border states. That's really what you're looking for. It doesn't make much sense to traffic children or women through any interior state. So the more coastline you have, the more likely you ought to be a state of trafficking. Um, they don't really publish the numbers, but I will tell you that in general, we presume that California, Texas, and Florida are the three states in no particular order. And can I ask you this question, Frank? Because, you know, I'm an investigator by background, so I'm going to pepper you, and I know you're ready for me. So um, are these children new to the country, for example, or are they... Um, how would you say, separated from families, you know, disenfranchised from the family unit? Give me a little bit more on that background, Frank, so, if you so, would, sir. So, so, so uh, there, are, there are three types of, of children that we deal with, okay? And this is the part that's scary for most people. Obviously, everybody presumes that we're dealing with high-risk children. So what you're really dealing with in the first instance is, okay, I'm dealing with those kids who have become homeless, those kids who are brought in as immigrants, refugees, call them what you will. They don't have any family structure. That is only a small part of the traffic world, okay? We now have community children. Now it starts to get a little bit more scary for people out there. These are the kids who are playing sports with each other, social media interaction, groups, children who older school would go to the malls, they'd hang out in the park together. There are traffic children who get um, fall into the traffic world through that particular segment. And then we have what we call the targeted children, those who are uh, a child of a particular race, creed, color, type, and they're actually targeted for their particular looks. Um, if you had a girl who was 17 or 18 years old and looked like she was 12 and was wearing braces, there's probably somebody out there who's looking for that particular girl. Let me interrupt you for one second, Frank. So um, I, I'm certain that you, you gentlemen are incorporating our intelligence mechanism to identify not just the potential victim, but the people perpetrating this. Am I correct, Frank? Uh, you are correct. Everything that uh, Phantom Rescue has done throughout the years uh, has been done in conjunction with law enforcement. We don't do anything on our own. We don't go rogue. We're very cognizant of rules. As I indicated earlier, my background as an attorney uh, leads me into a situation where I have to be cognizant of doing what we need to do in conjunction with law enforcement. So we avail ourselves of all the 
intelligence that we can put our hands on. So I just want to ask you a question then, Frank, coming out of law enforcement myself. I mean, are you guys afraid that if you and I, for example, went and recovered a child that we were going to be prosecuted on some level or there's some type of ramification? I, I, I will tell you that if we were having this conversation 5, 10, 15 years ago, the answer would be an absolute yes. Okay. However, there has been a tremendous shift in the world in the last four to six years. Okay. Um, particularly in the United States, everybody has started to become aware that these situations exist. And in fact, we're less inclined to be concerned about that. I, of course, keep my guys outside the you know, the problem areas, we know what we can do and what we can't do. But of course, if we're overseas, if we're in the United States, whatever we're doing, we are interfacing with law enforcement. And there's a time that we hand over the operation to them to avoid those situations. Understood. You know, I just want to, um, I want to continue to talk with you, uh, um, Frank, because you and I are going to connect on this big time. But I want to introduce Jason back into this conversation. Um, he's involved in producing a documentary, as I mentioned earlier. And I just want to ask him specifically his level of participation and, and what exactly he's doing in regards to your operation. So, Jason, if you'd give me – you cannot hear me, sir. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I lost signal there for a minute. That's all right, sir. Let me, I'll go back and I'll repeat it. It's no problem. I wanted to bring you into this equation, Jason, because Thank I you. know that you are uh, intimately involved in producing a documentary that's addressing these very concerns and circumstances that – uh, Mr. Smith is addressing. So tell me what exactly you're doing, uh, Jason, at this juncture. Um, well, on, on top of, uh, you know, what Mr. Smith is doing, um, we've been working on a documentary on the missing and murdered uh, indigenous women in the United States and what's been going on with them and how, um, how big of a problem that is, but how underreported of a problem that is. So out of the over 5,000 women reported in, I think it was the last two years, only 116 of those women ever made it to the national database. Um, so this is, is really what we're doing with our documentary. And we're trying to look at what needs to happen with uh, both federal, state and tribal uh, police to help this. Okay. So we're, we're alluding to some form, another form of systemic failure, potentially, um, and either one of you gentlemen can answer this, so you can both answer it. It sound that sounds what it, what we're dealing with right now. Am I correct? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, there's some big big problems with jurisdiction that just makes these cases very hard to enforce or prosecute in any way, shape, or form. And that's whether it happens on tribal land or whether it happens in in cities, because they still don't have the, you know, native uh, natives are are sovereign, and they still don't have the same rights and protections as U.S. citizens do. Yeah, I, I actually had the opportunity, and I'd explain this to the producer of the show, Lloyd Molander, that I worked on um, uh, some reservations in California. Um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I worked for Mr. and Mrs. Sinatra for uh, a long period of time. And um, one of the places that we staged a golf classic, which was designed to aid the Children's Center in Palm Springs, was on Indian reservations. It's an interesting discussion um, you know, I have ironically, a legitimate, uh, um, indigenous background. You know, my mother was, uh, was from Arkansas and she was, um, Cherokee Indian. She was Scotch Irish and Cherokee Indian. And interestingly enough, I haven't over involved myself too much, uh, as far as, you know, pursuing my sister ironically has, and we had chiefs in the family somehow, but, um, so if I understand this correctly, gentlemen, you know, this problem is somewhat pervasive and, and uh, on reservations, which is the, the land of the indigenous, but it's even on a bigger scale domestically, as Mr. Smith is alluding to. And the questions I really want to get into after this break are what are the support mechanisms that are being afforded to you by the government, federal, state, and local? We're going to be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay with this topic. I don't know if there are many more topics that are as critically important as this one right now. We're going to be right back. I do want to thank, by the way, just as a reminder, Instacart and Buzzsprout who are or help funding this thing. They're sponsoring us. And um, we're going to come back in two if seconds. If you're a just podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to ourbetweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. 
And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. We are back with us today, our two gentlemen uh, that are on a really interesting journey. One is Frank Smith, who is one of the founders of Phantom Rescue. Uh, Frank is an attorney, and he spearheads this, I would say, in the most, I would, I would have to tell you, um, comprehensively legal manner in which it needs to be pursued. I mean, people don't understand the culture. Everything we do today comes under scrutiny, and it's critically important that this is done within the confines of the law and, uh, as probably Frank can tell you, uh, minimizing any type of exposure on any level. Uh, Jason Orbach is a documentary film director who is signed on to bring to light the severity and the extent of this problem in this country. So I, I want to come back to you, Frank, for one second, if I may, sir, because this is another very important question. After we abduct these these children and women, where do they end up? Where do they go? Are we taking them out of the country and sending them off to other regions in the world? Tell me, Frank, what's what's going on? So, with so, this? so, 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 so and, and forgive me. It's one of the issues in. The, the granular details of the actual sex trafficking world, particularly when you're dealing with children, become unimportant at some point in time. And the reason that that is, is that um, we have an equal number of children who do get taken overseas. We have an equal number of children who are trafficked in the United States. We also have tremendous amount of those children in the United States being trafficked out of their very homes, if you could believe that. Okay. Family members, or uh, in certain cases, you find that... Uh, Children get themselves compromised somehow. They get caught on video doing something. They get into trouble. And somebody basically tells them, okay, now you work for us. Here's a second phone. And they literally, if you could believe this, get trafficked out of their own house. Okay. While their parents are there, while everything else is going on and out of fear for the safety of their family and their own reputation, they'll continue onward for doing that for several years. So as far as where they wind up, Listen, we could talk about, you know, all the standard thought processes of, okay, they wind up in all these long, you know, Eastern Bloc countries, but that's not necessarily true. And in fact, it, it's one of the stigmas that we've sought to break. It's everywhere. It's pervasive throughout all the society and in the United States and as that's, well. And that's why, Frank, I'm directing these questions to you so people understand the scope of this problem domestically. Everybody has this vision in their head that, you know, we abduct you and we take you to the Middle East or all of these Eastern Bloc countries, wherever on the, on the planet. But it's really something that's haunting us domestically. And I will say this, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, Frank. Interdiction regarding this issue is substantially easier when it's domestic than when they're taken outside the country. Would you agree with that statement, sir? I absolutely would agree with that statement because, you know, you're dealing with just, let's call it time and space continuum issues. So, you know, if you have to go around the corner as opposed to going across the sea, it becomes much easier to deal with what you're dealing with. You don't have as many legal bodies paying attention to what you're doing. And in fact, again, I mean, you think about it, it particularly in today's day and age, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in most of the politics, but I will tell you this, if you think that people streaming across open borders doesn't lend itself to this particular issue, you'd be sadly mistaken. And, you know, in fact, right now, there's plenty of places to move children in and out of the United States. Nobody pays attention between inter, you know, from one state to another. So they basically have free reign right now. Here's the $64 question, gentlemen. What is the government doing? Has the government assembled a team? Have we created a new organization like DEA, ATF, FBI, Secret Service? Because this sounds like it's on a scope and scale that would require that. Would you agree with me, Frank? I absolutely would agree with you. And let's talk about it in a twofold position. Um, let's go roll the clock backwards 10, 15 years. Okay. A 14-year-old girl escapes from her captor. Okay. She's getting out of the traffic situation. She races down to the local police station. She walks in torn clothes, beaten up. She says to the police sergeant, you know, I, I've been held against my will. Uh, they've been selling me five, 10 times a night to guys and, and, and please help me. And she would find herself in a 
uh, jail cell about 20 minutes later, having been arrested for prostitution. That's where this started. Um, we've come a long way from that. Let's put it that way. Um, but if you could believe it, you know, states like Florida, which is where I'm located these days, we had to pass a law several years ago that protected the identities of the victim. Think about that for a second. We had to pass a law to protect the identity of the victim. Like this is not just intuitive. You know, uh, these are the kind of things that we're starting to realize are real problems legally. So in answering your question directly, the government, both local, state and federal, have taken a large interest in this in the last couple of years. And they actually are trying to do something now, whether or not they can take the steps necessary to actually make a dent in this is a separate argument. They're doing the best they can under the circumstances. And we are actually getting the time of day from uh, at least at this point in time, uh, the local and state officials. Uh, the federal situation at the moment, uh, I will tell you, there's not really much going on. There are several federal anti-sex trafficking task force that are going on, but their ability to get anything done is is hampered by uh, the fact that they don't have any interplay with the state organizations. Sadly, this is another dis- disgusting display of government. You know, I know that ICE deals with this at the borders on a fairly regular basis because this is one of the problems, as you alluded to a moment ago, with people coming into the country and the manner in which they're coming. But um, I just want to ask you this, Jason. So you're you're tagging along with Frank, am I correct, sir? Pretty much um, in in increments, identifying exactly what's going on, where it's going on, when, why, and what we're doing to offset these abductions. Am I correct in that statement, uh, Jason? Yes, absolutely. And I've also been working with. Uh a lot of people from Montana right now, which is kind of where the story started for me. I was up on the Blackfeet reservation and really started to hear these stories and wanting to talk more and more about them and realized that the, a lot of the issues with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the FBI having to come on to really look at these cases on tribal lands and that they just don't show any interest. A lot of the time they don't who, have, who the doesn't show the FBI or the indigenous people, the FBI, uh, the, from the federal government, they they are the ones with jurisdiction other than the tribal police. And once things get off the tribal land, tribal police can't do anything about it. So it's been a big problem, especially in Montana. There's so many different areas and different jurisdictions. I, I got to stop you for one second. I just want to yeah. stop you for one second. And I apologize for the interruption. So I'm struggling with this. So is there is there no uh, collaborative effort between tribal officials and our federal government to work through this thing together? I mean, correct me because I'm I'm watching you shake your head, Jason. They they end up looking at it as an individual case instead of an overall problem. And as an individual case, a lot of the time they they do not step in. Frank, can you comment on this, buddy? Can you jump in? Absolutely. Let's put it this way. Everything that goes on, okay, off of tribal lands in the United States is difficult enough to begin with. When you move on to the tribal lands, and I have more than passing familiarity with it, it becomes tenfold harder. The interplay between those who are on tribal lands and those who are not law enforcement, just the interplay between the people themselves is is different. What they call uh, sovereignty generally is not. Um, I will tell you that of the, and this is outside the trafficking realm, but of the women who go missing, okay, on the tribal lands, you're probably going to see an investigation five to 10% of the time, and you're only going to see one out of every thousand cases remotely solved. I got a question for you, Frank. You ready? So correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but there's probably some level of complicity with individuals on the indigenous lands with this trafficking issue. Am I correct? I I, I wouldn't know offhand if it's there. You can presume that that's the case because apathy is complicity. I agree with that. But, you know, what what I'm really saying is that people aren't roaming into the reservations, the land that the indigenous people are managing and abducting their women somehow without the knowledge and consent of some of the people who are indigenous in background. One would presume so. One would presume so. One of the things that's most often asked in this thing is when you look at this, you have to look at this through a separate set of eyes. To a lot of people, they're sitting out there listening to this going, you know, once they get past the fact that it's actually occurring, they get into their mind. Well, how could this, how could these people possibly do this? They're not looking at them as people. They're not looking at them as humans. They're looking at 
these women and children as commodities. Revenue. Sure. So, of course, whenever a good gets shipped in or out of a reservation, whenever it gets shipped in and out of a state, there's somebody who knows what's going on. And the fact that this is going on, um, you know, in these various areas and nobody's paying attention to it, again, in my mind, is a tremendous failure of the system. I, can, I want to ask you a question, if I may, uh, Frank, and then we're going to go to a break. Is there an investigative mechanism to the best of your knowledge? And Jason, you can jump in on this also because you may have knowledge as well, sir. Is there an investigative mechanism on the indigenous lands that is, say, similar to um, an FBI or even – I know that they have police on the indigenous lands. I've been there. Um, but is there is there any mechanism in place there at all to address this on the indigenous lands themselves, Frank? I'll, I'll um, give you the first shot at it. Sir. Uh, no, no. The, the answer the answer is yes. It is uh, unfortunately they tend to be incredibly short staffed and under equipped, comparatively speaking, to what we would otherwise deal with. Uh, and in fact, when you consider, you know, if you spend time on a reservation, you discussed it earlier, Lou. You're, you're dealing with wide open spaces. Okay, you're dealing with you know broad areas. You're dealing with you know, you know th- there is no presence on an ongoing basis. They actually literally have to go from point A to point B. Okay, I gotta I gotta hit you with first. I want to go to a break, guys, and then I'm gonna kind of come back and we're gonna talk about technology. So, ladies and gentlemen, please hang with us. This is a critically important topic. I don't know if there are many topics in the country today that supersede this in importance. We're gonna be right back. You're with Between the Lines. If you want to find us, by the way, you can go to betweenthelines.tv. We'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. Uh, We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, With me today, I have a gentleman by the name of Frank Smith, one of the founders, and I would say uh, the director of Phantom Rescue. Very critically important, his position, because he is an attorney by background, and there's a lot of landscape that he has to navigate legally here. And you cannot underscore the value of that because it could translate to something horrific if we didn't, you know, comply, so to speak, with frameworks and boundaries. And we also have a gentleman with us, uh, Jason Orbach, who is involved in producing a documentary to address this issue, the scope and scale, which is alarming. And perhaps what's at least equally alarming is the fact that our government has not taken the deep dive here. Um, if I may, gentlemen... Uh, I, I'm sure you're both aware of the technology that exists today. You basically can't blow your nose today without us knowing about it. In fact, I was explaining to one of the other producers on this show, Gary Spurgeon, that we had an open case recently with an individual who was camped outside one of my client's homes, right? And we were trying to determine intent. Was this individual actually being stalked or what was the actual nature of this camp out? So through my own mechanisms we ran the plate and we were able to pretty much track and trace everywhere this vehicle has been the past 30 days it's kind of scary so now i'm going to go back to where i'm going with this thing so you know on on the indigenous lands or others right you have technology you have cameras you have facial recognition you have any number of mechanisms technologically tied to that can help you identify individuals that we already know are participating in on this in this practice or can go back and review through digital DVRs, which is now not even the most state-of-the-art digital video recorders. There's a new technology. It's even better. Go back and capture these these incidents taking place. So, Frank, is, is there any of this technology being utilized on the uh, indigenous absolutely. lands or other? Uh, well, less so on the indigenous lands, but definitely other. Um, it, it, what you're talking about is, listen, we, we have always worked with various individuals who troll the dark web and look for 
you know, various spots where people are going to be sold. Um, we also have numerous organizations. And, and if I can digress for a second, we, we talk about Phantom Rescue, but it's not Phantom Rescue. We're a very, very tiny piece of a much larger group of individuals who actually are doing a good thing. I tend not to, you, you indicated earlier that I was a founder of Phantom Rescue. I'm a secondary founder. It was really Tony Sparks's idea and Rodney Mann's idea. They are the founders. But none of us ever, you will hear none of our names. We don't care about our names. We don't even care about the organization. We care about the problem. And going back to your issue here, we have a situation where you have this pervasive systemic worldwide problem. Yes, there's technology at play. Yes, we can look for the spots where children are bought and sold, girls are bought and sold. There are people out there doing that actively right now. There are several very good organizations that are doing that. You know, some which are very, very well known to people. And in fact, that's what they're doing. They're a small piece of the puzzle. You have groups that are doing rescues. You have groups that are working with law enforcement. Your question as far as, well, what technology are we using locally? Are we looking at the cameras? Are we looking at red light cameras? In a lot of cases, this is taking place inside of a house, inside of a hotel, Understood. inside of those areas. And in fact, as you know, from a legal perspective, the right to privacy is a problem if we really want to take a look. And that's a slippery slope. I know that talking to you right now, we, we could be on that topic for about 10 years, figuring out where the slippery slope begins and ends. So in my mind, in this area, we should have open reign. But of course, that opens us up to other things. Um, by way of example, it, we've had a situation where we have had a woman who called up and said, I know my daughter is being trafficked. She's in Hotel X in Place X. And what do I do? And she calls the police and says, you know, my daughter is in there. Well, the police can't go in and go door to door and bang on all the doors. Now, fortunately, in that case, through some bizarre circumstance and, you know, coincidence, let's just say. Unconventional somebody, method, we call that, Frank, before you go any further. <laughs> you know, so, so somebody, somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody, somebody apparently called in a threat to the hotel and they had to evacuate the hotel. And sure enough, the woman is standing there with law enforcement while some, you know, guy comes out with her daughter and they were able to actually make some arrests in that case. But if yeah. you consider the, the, the difficulty in navigating those legal waters, you can understand it's a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to say too much about myself because I might indict myself, but you know, <laughs> you know, through this journey I've had and I have a law enforcement background and I have a very, very strong and clear understanding of the law and the need, but I, I, believe in unconventional addressment. That's all I'm going to say to you. I, I think you know what I'm talking about, so I'm not Absolutely. going to say any further than this. Absolutely. And, you know, I have to make you laugh. I went to 16 years of Catholic school, so it's not mm -hmm. like I'm some rogue lunatic. I've got a lot of boundaries placed in my brain, I understand. I know how to intellectualize things also. As I said, 16 years of Catholic school, I graduated St. John's University. I wasn't a blistering mm -hmm. student. I was a philosophy major. I've always considered myself somewhat cerebral, but I do know how to fix problems, Frank. And unfortunately, um, you know, we can't talk about this much more. That's all I'm going to say to you. I, I think we should let this rest. And I do know that... Um, I suspect that you employ the services of individuals that are like-minded to me, and there's a need oh, for absolutely. it, tragically. You know, there's a way to fix this problem, and as you can do it the nice way, you can do it the hard way, the less than nice way. You know, I, I don't know what to say to the American public today, whether it's involved with um, narcotics trafficking or sex trafficking. There's a way to make this profession very unattractive. Frank, you understand what I'm saying? I know as Absolutely. a lawyer, Absolutely. this is not a conversation you want to go down, but I'm just telling you, I'm of that cloth because I realize the futility in embracing the government to support you in addressing situations that we're talking about right now. Jason, I do want to ask you this, sir. Um, in reference to the documentary, um, you're traveling throughout the United States internationally. I have another very important question that I want to direct to you, Frank. Um, any collaboration between foreign governments in addressing this issue once it leaves a border of a country? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just so you know, anybody who's truly looking to address the problem, we, do all, we all collaborate. At the end of the day, you know, you avail yourself of all resources. Most of the foreign governments at this point in time have taken the situation seriously. I mean, look, you, you can look at certain countries that we wouldn't trade into because we don't have relationships with them. And those would be the areas that you would generally say, hey, look, the United States doesn't have any relationship with that country at all. But everybody else is pretty cooperative. And in fact, they will work with you. They obviously don't want us going in and performing law enforcement activities in their country, but they are willing to work with us to the point at which we can hand off 
our details, and usually they are cooperative. Uh, same thing with all of the state and local law enforcement in the United States. Candidly, we're happy to give them the credit, and they're happy to take the credit if they can make the arrest. There isn't one person that I've ever come across in law enforcement who isn't thinking like you and wouldn't rather, you know, push the boundaries to get the job done. In fact, the, the fact is, is that we can help them get to that point, and we're happy to do so. Yeah. So, Jason, let me just ask you this then. So, in, in your journey, uh, you're currently involved in doc, this documentary right now producing, is that correct? Correct. Right. And so... Um, you know what? What do you? What do you, how, how has this impacted you personally? Now that you wrapped your arms around the scope of this problem and the sensitivity of this problem, what do you, what are you feeling about this? I mean, it, it's been something I've looked at for years, and I mean, it it really is a a large problem and a problem that is is very hard to deal with. I mean, just in in you know talking about the jurisdiction issues alone, um, you know, finally Montana has put a a group in place to kind of tile this together, and they're just starting to. Um, get the records together because nobody's even keeping track of this. Nobody's putting any of these names out there. So a lot of the people in the native world aren't even getting the press, aren't getting looked at, aren't getting seen in any way, shape or form because they're not getting reported. So nothing's getting reported past that initial stage of a call to the police department. And then they're also often saying, oh, well, they're probably out partying. They're probably just drunk. They're probably this, they're probably that. And it, it's a really big issue. Um, so by the time anybody's looking at this, it's 48, 72, you know, hours later, and it, it's too late. They're gone. Yeah. So where a lot of other cases, uh, you end up, you know, getting people such as Phantom to come in and investigate this kind of stuff a lot quicker. These cases just aren't being taken that way. And that's that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm really trying to bring attention to this, because I don't feel like, you know, it's been covered enough in the press and I don't feel like anybody is really aware of the situation. Yeah, we're, we're too busy rhetorically cutting each other's throats and talking about things about one another that are really not important. You know, it's this has turned into a really interesting con country. Uh, we're going to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to come back and talk about this incredibly sensitive topic, one that apparently is going, in my opinion, under-addressed. I'll be right back with you guys. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to ourbetweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home comfort of your home just pick out the items you'd like they'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to another great concept very user friendly and i'll be honest we use it also it's very effective and they're very very good they're very uh, on point we're back i have with me today frank smith um was at the inception of this organization um phantom rescue and another gentleman jason orbach who is producing a documentary to heighten the awareness as to the scope, scale, and significance of this problem of sex trafficking, which involves our women and children, which is a hot button for me. You know, I always say, pick on someone who's a fair opponent. I've lived that also. I've, I've actually been bopped in the mouth by someone once that I just realized wouldn't have fared well with me, so I took the shot. Long story short, I practice what I preach, but uh, I want to get back onto this topic. Um, you know, we touched on i asked this question to to frank about collaboration between indigenous uh people their their law enforcement and governmental officials and our government and if i understand this correctly frank and correct me if i'm wrong that really doesn't go on and do you think that on the horizon there's a potential task force what do you what do you think buddy well well from from two perspectives um the non-tribal lands continue to try to address this problem and while they're making inroads there still is a long way left to go and the tribal lands they're falling behind substantially and in fact they just don't have the manpower to do that so in answer to your question yes at some point it will have to occur because you know it would make no sense to address it you know in the entire United States and leave the tribal lands as a place where trafficking can occur so there will be some collaboration as to when it happens I don't see it for 
the foreseeable future. There just is not that level of cooperation, and they're not going to get the level of assistance that they need to address this problem. I, I want to ask you this question, which you probably spoke to uh, at the very early onset of this discussion, Frank. Just tell tell the listener the scope of this problem with number. I know that we mentioned that it's underreported. There's a lot of things that hamstring this topic, just like sex offense. You know, a lot of women don't report sexual assault for a myriad of reasons you and I both understand. Um, but just give us, give us numbers. Give us some numbers. Yeah, I mean, look, this this is, and again, the numbers that I'm going to give you are super conservative, right. and they're actually dated a little bit, and we only will give you accurate numbers. $150 billion a year is a criminal enterprise child sex trafficking. Okay, we talk about if, uh, and to give everybody frame of reference, if we talked about somebody bringing, you know, a kilo of cocaine into the United States, you bring it in, you pay price X, you sell it for price Y, it's done, you're finished. When you have a child, you get more money for the child, but it doesn't end on a single transaction. You can continue to sell that same child over and over. Like and over reoccurring again. income. Well, uh, let, let me turn your stomach a little bit more. When the child is done being used for sex trafficking, there's an entire organ trafficking world that exists thereafter. So think about that for a second. Yeah. You know, one of these things that you talk about, and again, your listeners who are out there need to really understand this. Okay. If you have children, if you know children, next time you look at them, think about this. They could be gone in a second as a commodity placed in a cage. Okay. Trafficked for years. And then when there's nothing left of them, they're used as parts. And that's what you're dealing with. I want to ask Jason this question because this is kind of in your wheelhouse. Jason, what do we, I know you're producing this documentary, which I've spoken to, which you're speaking to, but we need to get this out in a much broader sense. You know, we're so busy talking about things that aren't important in this country. And as I mentioned to you, rhetorically cutting each other's throats over day, every day over stupidity. We need to develop a mechanism. Do you have an idea about how we can get this out into the mainstream of discussion every day? Any ideas, any thoughts, buddy? I mean, I've looked at a few different things and I've looked at, you know, a few different organizations that are trying to get the information out there. But really, if, if the news won't pick up the stories, if nobody's willing to look at these stories, how do you get it out there mainstream? So, I mean, really, other than making documentaries, which, you know, we all know not everybody wants to watch documentaries. A lot of people think they're boring. Um, when you have mainstream news just covering whatever is, is hot at that moment and just looking for ratings, how are you ever going to get this out there? How are you ever going to get it mainstream if nobody cares? Well, I got to tell you something interesting. I'm about to embark on something that's going to expand beyond this podcast, uh, locally here with the help of this production team. And, uh, this is going to be a topic of discussion on a regular basis. And if you gentlemen are prepared to come back on, you know, hopefully we can fuel this fire, not just in Jacksonville, you know, and Lloyd, you know what I'm, uh, I'm alluding to. We're going to start to fuel this fire, you know, and I, and I tell you this, Frank, also, I know that you enlist the services of individuals that have rather unique backgrounds from the military um, who, know, who know how to go about um, uh, addressing this and, and recovering people. You know, I, I will give you any support in any capacity I possibly can. I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not too reserved in a lot of ways. You can probably tell I'm a little bit of a loose cannon. People right. would call it that. I just don't care anymore. I'm not worried about what people think. I don't know why we're so concerned about um, a popularity contest. I'm not worried about that. So, you know, I, I'm prepared to help you in any capacity and, and to collaborate. But what I really want to do is give this cause legs and start to get it out in the mainstream of discussion every day, which is what seems to be lacking. You know, I don't know what to tell you. We're more concerned about who's winning the NFL Super Bowl than we are about our women and children, our priorities in this country. And I don't want to go off on a tangent and, and indict the culture, which certainly needs indictment. But we're, we're talking about it once again. We need the federal government. You know, where are all these elected officials? You know, where's Barack Obama, for example? You know, where's his heart on his sleeve? Where, why aren't these people stepping up, Mr. Clinton? I don't really want to talk about Mr. Clinton. <laughs> There's a reason also, guys, because, you know, he's been a bad boy um, in a lot of ways. But where are all these elected officials that should be talking about this every day, reminding the public, Biden, that this is going on. It would be, be wonderful if the head of the fish spoke to this, wouldn't it, guys? What do you think about that? If the president brought this to, 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 to bear to light. Am I right, Frank? Correct me if I'm no, wrong. You, 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 no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and I want to kind of 
expand your horizon a little bit. And what we've been talking about largely are the rescues. We've been talking about law enforcement. We've been talking about what we'd all like to do to these people. And I understand that that's a very important part of this. But what's equally important and what we found over at Phantom Rescue was that we found that it's equally important, if not more important, to deal with the education and awareness of the general population. And what that means is it means that getting into the schools, getting the schools to actually give us a moment of time to talk to the kids, getting into hotels, the, 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 you know, the, the industry, the hospitality industry, um, this goes on. You can't do this without having access to a hotel or other areas. And I'm not going to question whether or not they know or they don't know, but they at least have to tell their employees and educate their employees. There's been bills in several different states that have been tried to addressing this. There have been some great projects which are oriented towards hotels to try to create an environment where you just can't traffic a victim there. Okay, these are the things that are going to really change the lay of the land. When every single person in the United States when every single person throughout the world is looking for the signs that somebody's being trafficked and making everybody else aware of it, finally, we'll be able to make some inroads. So it's not just on, we'll call it on the violence side, and I really want to call it that because that's what we'd all like to do, but it, it's it's on the education and awareness side. You know, to that end, let me just give you a point. We had created some time ago, um, Tony Sparks has created the Captain Rescue Project. It's a cartoon to let the kids understand the dangers of texting. And I will tell you, we created this cartoon. We spoke to a number of different people. We offered to give it to the school districts for free. And do you know that none of them would take us up on it? Yeah, That's that, one of my yeah, I, I, I wish I could really say I'm surprised, Frank, and I'm sure you realize in me making that statement, you understand why I could make that statement. I do mm -hmm. want to say one thing to you. You know, in the state of Florida, we have the guy that I call the go-to governor because you can go to mm -hmm. this guy. You know, I think that, um, and I, you may have done this already, um, maybe if, if something like this came out of his mouth, because he swings a pretty big stick, this guy, not just locally, but on a domestic level throughout the country. People are listening mm -hmm. to this young man. He's very well accomplished in his own right, and he's a fixer, this guy. Um, you know, I, I want to take a quick break, and then I want to come back, and, and I, I think it's really important that... Um, Frank, you educate the listener as to what are the signs that are attached to this, this little problem we're facing. We'll, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Just hang with us, please. This is Between the Lines, and we have with us today a gentleman, Frank Smith, and another gentleman, uh, Jason Orbach, who are intimately involved in addressing the sex trafficking problem that we're having in this country. We'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show, and to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly, and as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good, and as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, comfort of your home just pick out the items you'd like they'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to another great concept very user-friendly and i'll be honest we use it also it's very effective and they're very very good they're very uh, on point we're back and um i want to direct this question uh to you frank because you you mentioned that there are indicators um that we should be aware of. Can you speak to some of the signs or the tells? Absolutely. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a list of basic things, and there's plenty of, um, you know, there's plenty of lists out there of things and resources that people can go to. Um, but but these are some of the basic indicators, and I, I do this. This is mostly for parents. Okay, if you're a parent and you're looking at your children, okay. You find your children these days, every child, you know, has their phone or all the time it's attached to their hand, assuming they have one. If you find your child sleeping with your phone, that's an indicator. Okay. It means they're waiting on somebody. Okay. If you see your child show up in clothes that you didn't buy them. Okay. Um, issues at school, which suddenly arise because your child is lashing out. Okay. Um, big issue, social media. Okay, these days, I can't tell you how much trafficking goes on through social media. And most parents have no idea how many accounts their child, children have, let alone what their children are actually doing on those accounts. You have to have an open discourse. Um, you know, older kids in their children's life, uh, you know, 
significantly older boyfriend or girlfriend, just a, a, a random friend, like, you know, it, just something that feels out, out of sorts. Um, asking your children if you've had a good rapport with your children and suddenly they're acting secretive or not talking on that uh, and not talking about the issues. Uh, and obviously, you know, standard health issues, standard things that parents should look at, change in relationship. Let me reverse the course. What parents should be doing is parents should be avoiding these topics by talking to their children about these topics. They need to have that open line of communication with their children about anything and everything. It's only then that they're really going to know what's going on with the kids. You know, I, I, I have to tell you, ironically, um, I became a father very late in life, Frank. I was single till I was 54. Mm-hmm. Go figure, you know, and um, I am over-traveled, to be very candid with you. I jokingly tell people I have battle fatigue. I'm mm-hmm. physically like an animal still because I have a good uh, lifestyle, working out. I've been very athletic my whole life. I worked on the beaches as a lifeguard 15 years. I was a law enforcement agent. I just, I always had this physical presence coupled to, to my brain. Um, with my children, you know, my journey I caution my children because of what I've been exposed to and what I learned. I struggle with the fact that that parents allow their children on media outlets. I really am just disturbed by the adult world not understanding there's no upside to your children getting involved in discussing their personal lives or having any type of relationship with someone through, you know, the Internet. It just is inappropriate. You know, we've robbed us of personalization. I think you would agree with that, Frank, conservatively Mm -hmm. speaking. But it just troubles me that we even allow our children to do this. You know, my children, none of them are on any of the social media outlets. It's just not not permitted. And we monitor very discreetly what goes on. You know, I am probably, I'm going to say damaged to a degree based on my journey. You know, I've been around this law enforcement community for 48 years, and I know people everywhere. Unintentionally, I might note, it just happens to be what happened to me. You know, I, I would have preferred to have stayed off the radar screen. It's not what happened. And so, you know, you make the best of it. There's nothing like your privacy. I think we're talking about that too. We have to teach children to protect themselves, their privacy, to be discreet, to be careful what they say and who they say it to, and to stay off these damn computers. You know, they were designed initially to help us um, travel our day in a work capacity, not to digress into a younger point of my life, but my last year in college, when I couldn't be so footloose and fancy free, I went to work for United Airlines and was introduced to computers. All we could do is really generate information that aided passengers, delays, weather in different places. Now, all of a sudden, they become, they run our lives, but that's our fault. And I think the message has to be to the parents today to take control as best as they can, especially when these children are too young to really manage these devices, prevent them from using them. But, um, you know, I would ask you, Frank, if you could... um, forward to the producers of this show um, these informations we talked about today and what I want to say to you is that you know my new endeavor here which is kind of an expansion upon this podcast we're not going to abandon this podcast but I'm going to take take myself in another direction we want to talk about this on a more frequent basis Lloyd I know you're listening to me sir and you know what I'm talking about you know we're going to start I do. Talk- I hear you. we're going to start talking about this thing on, on, a, on a radio show locally and with the intention of expanding this conversation. I am distressed in learning that the government once again is failing to step up to the plate. But I do want to be fair, Frank, Jason, mm-hmm. both of you guys have to know this thing about being overworked and understaffed is something that's pervasive in the law mm-hmm. enforcement community, compounded by the demotivation with all of the the rhetoric and overt acts of robbing our cops of pensions and incarcerating them. We're going in the wrong direction. We need to change this conversation, which is why this show is being driven. And and it's about our children. You know, if anyone listens to me, I start uh, every day that I do this, this production with concern about our children and their future. I had my day in the sun, Frank, you and I should talk privately sometime that I'm Mm -hmm. here as testimony Mm -hmm. to good luck, buddy. But I've had a I've had a gigantic life, and I and I want to make sure other children have that. Um, I know that you're not salaried, nor are any people that are involved in this phantom rescue. So I want to ask you a, another very important question, and I know that um, people need to support this financially. How are you guys able to sustain this mission, Frank? 
And I'm going to ask you, Jason, also in a second, sir, but I want to hit you first, Frank. I'm sorry. It's interesting. Phantom Rescue is a 501c3, but we don't actively raise any money. We've self-funded, if you could believe it, through our other opportunities, through things that um, Tony Sparks, through his profit side, does a lot of stuff, the same stuff that you do in your other career. He, you know, we've done protection services. We've done security. We've done things like that. We take a substantial portion of everything that we do and we divert it over into the Phantom Rescue side. And just to be clear, Phantom Rescue recently became part of a large organization called the Phantom International Foundation. We added child poverty and anti-poaching to our links that we're dealing with, but we almost entirely self-fund. We're happy to take somebody else's money if they want to give it, but more important than that, I want their attention. Right now, the most important thing the most important thing that you can do in the areas of child sex trafficking is to make yourself aware of the circumstances and educate everybody else around you. That's all we ever ask for. And the reason we don't get compensated is we just want to get the message out there. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. Um, you know, like I said to you, I, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I want to help you with this thing. And I, we have one vehicle already that the production people understand where I'm going with this conversation. The other thing you guys probably know about me is I'm not shy. And nor do I ever intend on being shy. Get you nowhere. But we have to get this into the mainstream of the conversation in this country. The more people that have awareness of this, maybe we should bang the entertainment industry that are busy telling us who we're supposed to vote for, what what legislation we should have regarding guns. Maybe we should get them involved in this conversation as well. Um, uh, all I can tell you is that you know we're on board and we're going to start to change this conversation as well. Um, I don't know what else I can say to you, gentlemen. I know we could talk about this forever. I want to ask you both, is there anything, Frank, first, that you would like to add to this conversation today that we haven't touched on? I would, Let me give you some of the pieces of the puzzle about the argument. When When I first got involved in dealing with children, I was looking for missing children, per se. Um, And I found out that when you look for missing children, there are always two sides to the story. Okay, most um, abductions of young children are parental abductions. Consodial interference, correct, yep. Right. Okay. And as you know, based upon, you know, your history, I'm never really sure whether or not I put the child back with the right parent at the end of the day. I mean, I had circumstances where we rescued a child pre-phantom and got the child back to the father. And then when I looked into the case, I saw 12, you know, restraining orders that the mother sought all, which were denied because the the father had a very good attorney. And being an attorney myself, I can tell you that does make a difference. Well, did I do the right thing? Didn't I do the right thing? So let's switch gears. Child sex trafficking. It is 100% black and white, pure evil. It makes that easier to go in and do the job. If you speak to somebody and you say, hey, do you want to get involved? Do you want to help? They cannot say no, because to say no is to say yes. You cannot be a supporter of child sex trafficking. You have got to be 100% against it. There is no argument for it. Okay, These children deserve everybody's attention all around the world, whether they're on the reservation where Jason's concerned, whether they're throughout the United States, whether they're throughout the world, anybody who doesn't have the thought process that we need to do everything in our power to eradicate sex trafficking, okay, is not thinking intelligently. Yeah, I, I, I very seldom am I speechless. Most people know that about me. I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm so disgusted and disappointed. Um, but you know what I also want to do, Frank? I think we want to participate in fixing this because that, at the end of the day, we can pick at the problem, identify who's responsible. Let's just go after the problem and try to fix it. I would ask you to you know, communicate with the producers of this show to further uh, assist us in, in supporting you and, and Jason, you as well. Jason, I want to uh, afford you a, a final comment as well, if I may, today. Yeah, for for me, it's uh, very much about, you know, um, just telling the stories and getting the stories out there. I mean, that's 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 where my expertise is. That's where my world is. And I look at whatever stories need to be told and try to get them out into the broadest, uh, you know, broadest amount of people possible. This is a story that needs to be told, whether it be what Phantom's doing, whether it be what's going on in the tribal lands. Um, and, and just needs to get out there. And I'm just looking for as many platforms to get together and make this an important, uh, issue as we can, because it is such an important issue. You know, I, I really, I hate to say this because, you know, I've, I've had a very interesting, uh, engagement with the entertainment industry. I won't go into exactly the extent of it. Uh, but it's pretty, pretty thorough. 
I, I think we should just start to reach out to some of the people in the entertainment industry to get them on board with this thing because, you know, whether we agree with it or not, they seem to, to have a pretty broad sphere of influence. You know, and, you know what else is, is something I've been working on doing and trying to bring them together as, as part of this and part of some other projects that I'm working on right and, now. And what's the response, Jason? Um, it, it really depends. Some people are, are very on board. A few people I've worked with have been very on board. But for the majority, you know, nobody's uh, nobody's really looking if they're they're not seeing a a payday or press for themselves involved. You know, payday is a really interesting concept. You know what I mean? The payday could be tenfold um, measured in, in comparison to money. But um, you know, maybe one of the ways to do this is to embarrass us into it. You know what I'm saying, guys? Maybe if we embarrassed enough people in positions that they'd step up to the plate. In other words, they say you do the right thing for the wrong reason. I don't really care what the motivating factor is, but if I embarrass you into it, that works for me as as well. Um, You know, this is something worth signing on. on, I just don't even know what to say about this topic, but I, I have to digest it to be honest with you because that's part of my mechanism. It'll all come to me. I just won't necessarily have a lot of answers on how I'm going to reconcile this today because this is disturbing. And, um, well, 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 let me give you one piece, which may help you out a little bit. This is a good frame of reference for most people. So most people are minimally familiar with the movie Taken. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen the movie Taken? Yeah, uh, sure. Liam Neeson. Okay. Yep, okay. yep, yep. Okay. So, 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 so you remember the initial scene, two girls yeah. coming to a French airport. Okay. So here's the part that most people don't know. That scene was developed out of 20 different real life cases, 20 different pieces of real life cases were combined from the time that they left the airport until they were ultimately pulled from out from under the bed and taken. Okay. Tony Sparks was the lead consultant on that movie. All of that stuff is real. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a touch and feel for most people that they could see on the TV. Most people are familiar with the movie. That's exactly what happens. It's that simple. It's, it's something nobody even thinks about. Can I share a cab with you? Can I do this? Hey, can I borrow your phone? It, it, it doesn't take a lot. And people educating themselves on the everyday things that we're doing. And as you pointed out, the openness of everybody with their social media and their phones and all their various electronics, we have to start being a lot more protective. But more importantly, we have to start educating our children because they just don't know anybody. They've grown up in a world where having a phone is life. To those of us who might, might, when I grew up, it wasn't a phone. It was a ball of tape. That's all I could put my hands on because I needed something to go play around with. Don't make me ask okay. you how old you are now. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm only kidding. No, no, make you laugh when I tell everybody I'm 55, but I have a lot of mileage on me. <laughs> so, I, I won't tell you how old I am, Frank, but I got more mileage than you do. I can tell you that. But we should we should sit down and talk. But, you know, I, I just don't even know what to say, except we have to figure out how to how to help this thing. You know, I, I've had some really interesting people on this show, um, enlightening, insightful, you know, and, and topics that are critically important. I don't think there's anything more important than what we're talking about right now. I mean, it's right up there with this whole traffic, traffic, uh, traffic of narcotics in this country. This is even more important than that. That that's an easier interdiction than this. I I have a strange feeling, but um, you know, I want to continue this conversation with the both of you gentlemen, and uh, I thank you for coming today. I just don't even know what to say to you both. Um, uh, we thank you, Will. We, we, we really do thank you. Anytime that we have an opportunity to have a platform, particularly with an individual such as yourself, it's a blessing to us. We really, we truly believe that the more people understand this, the, the more the word gets out, the better off we are. We are here for you as well. Anything that we can do to support your show, anything we can do to support getting the message out, I will make sure you have people here who can tell the story and we, reach out to you. We are going to start talking about this. I'm going to bring this up almost every show on this podcast going forward and another avenue that we're we're embarking on right now. This is something that's got to get out there. I, I have to tell you, I mean, I really think this fellow, Ron DeSantis, is someone that should be more plugged into this because this guy's a good message carrier. Um, I want to ask you this question, Jason. When is this documentary going to become available, buddy? Um, we're, we're hoping to get it out right now, uh, next November. Next November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to throw this name uh, this name around because I worked for him since he's left office, and I would do nothing to jeopardize my relationship. But, you know, Governor Schwarzenegger is a very plugged-in guy. He's into a lot of very interesting areas, climate. He loves this country, this man. He, there's mm-hmm. very few Absolutely. people I've spoken to that understand how great this country is and, and what it affords you. 
the luxury that we take for granted every day in, in living and growing up here. He came into this thing and built a life that is just beyond description. He's a really incredible guy. He's in, I, I, I normally try not to enjoy working with clients. It's pretty hard with him not to. He's got a tremendous personality, great sense of humor, incredibly bright and insightful. I would implore you to, to maybe brush up against him. If you can, uh, Jason, because he's I've, got a. I've he's, met him many times, and he's a, a wonderful person. No, he's a I character, but let me you. tell you something. He's. I, I mean, like I, f- I almost feel guilty when I work with him because we have such a good time being in his company, you know. But I still stay focused because my mission is a very simple one that he gets to go home. So, um, you know, Thank I don't. You. I I got to wrap this today, guys. But I I do want this to come back, and like I said to you, we're going to start to talk about this topic. Uh, you'll see. I'm I'm fairly creative and i know the production team will help me insert this into this conversation and there's another avenue we're going to go to about this because this is just unacceptable and i want to close with that statement guys thank you so much for joining me today i can't thank you enough frank and i want to continue this conversation jason you as well you know this is part of the solution we have to we have to wrap our arms around this thing thank you guys my name is lou palumbo this has been between the lines and i thank you for joining us today Music